0: Engineering training can help you improve household functions. I have started a time study on myself because I seem to have more to do than can be done in 24 hours a day. I am in the process of analyzing how my time is actually spent so that I may give priority to my interests. Surely I can find a better way to get things done.
1: That was an observation from Society of Women Engineers student member Sigrid King an industrial engineering reentry student at Florida Technological University, as read by Angie Myers, digital media manager for the Society of Women Engineers. Thanks, Angie. Uh, Sigrid King was invited to speak at the first annual Florida State Symposium for Women in Engineering and the Sciences in 1974 to share her thoughts about life as an engineering student and mother of four. Welcome to the very first episode of SWE Stories Tales from the Archives, a podcast in which we share intriguing stories about the history of SWE and its members. I'm Troy Eller-English, the Society of Women Engineers Archivist at the Walter P. Ruther Library at Wayne State University in Midtown Detroit.
2: And I'm Anne Perusik, SWE's Director of Editorial and Publications. Today, we'll hear stories from the archives about the second shift, SWE members' experiences managing their professional careers and their personal household.
1: Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. I find it interesting that in speeches and articles and oral history interviews so many SWE members have talked about the challenges of the second shift it's a recurring point of stress and their experiences are something that we can learn from so Anne, let's go back to Sigrid King the industrial engineering student and mother of four In her 1974 speech, she spoke about household management from an industrial engineer's point of view, looking to optimize various processes in her home to improve efficiency and probably her own sanity. Angie, can you share some of King's industrial engineering strategies?
0: There are four children in our household. That's 20 packed lunches a week. There has to be a system for coordinating all that peanut butter. In our home, each child has a snack box with his or her name on it. It is my responsibility to fill these boxes before the week starts with enough snacks, usually about seven bags of goodies each, and to fix a big bowl of fruit. My husband makes the two kindergarten boys sandwiches and fills their thermoses each morning. The rest is left to the children. They each choose a snack, a fruit, and a napkin. This teaches them responsibility where they alone benefit or suffer from their efforts. It also teaches discretion and budgeting as they decide when to take extra snacks. Another engineering area is in the laundry. We have a laundry room with five baskets marked white, dark, in between towels and sheets. Each family member has his own container for dirty clothes, and the idea is they each learn to sort their own clothes to make laundering easier. This one isn't perfected yet, but it's close. I keep a stopwatch handy. And when we make regular trips, as to church, the grocery, or the bank, I try to figure out the most efficient, economical, and pleasant route. Of course, not everybody cares to use a stopwatch and odometer for actual measurements, but don't we do the same thing just naturally?
1: King also compared industrial engineering to the functions necessary in running a home.
0: Management and administration, finance and accounting, purchasing and cost control— Employee development and training, morale and motivation, labor relations, like trying to get a child to clean his room, food and facilities, transportation, traffic management, coordinating the coming and going of active teenagers, husband, your own activities, first aid, security, communications, notes on the refrigerator door, maintenance, public relations, when your child breaks the neighbor's window, warehousing, finding room to store Christmas decorations, Easter baskets, Halloween costumes. In
2: 2012, the dual engineering and sweet couple Bernice and Jeff Brody spoke with humor about the chaos and career difficulties inherent in ferrying their children to various activities in the 1980s and 1990s. But they also spoke about some of the rewarding experiences that their busy careers offered the family. Bernice and Jeff married right out of college and shared their family, started their family early, confusing their co-workers in the process.
3: Jeff got a lot of the backlash at work. I don't even remember being told, being told that Jeff, I have to go pick up the kids. Well, Jeff better take care of his responses. And I'm thinking, Jeff does more with these kids and picks up these kids all the time. What are you talking about? So I did hear that. Jeff got a lot of backlash about having to go pick up the kids or leaving early and stuff. And what's the best revenge, Jeffrey? <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking about. A generation later. Oh, now, I'm the people sure. that we work with were laughing about Jeff and how hand he was and how he had to go pick up the kids and all this stuff. They all had kids much later in life, right? So it's like a generation, even though they're not that much younger than us they were doing that. Oh my God, I got to go pick up the kids. And Jeff must be in there going, yeah, now you understand.
2: In addition to the challenges of scheduling and transporting their children to and from after school activities and play dates, they spoke of the opportunities and unique experiences that their careers presented to the family.
3: And there was one day where I remember we color-coded who was, who was had to go where and which day? Yeah, I think we tried that for like a week.
1: Whatever, because he
3: was getting frustrated because he was doing all the work. But we color coded. Like, okay, so we have to pick up Allison and take her to blah 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 two to five on Sunday, and you know I had to do this, and it was all on his blackboard at work. We're doing figuring out who's got to do where and where do we have to be, and of course we had um, we had some church responsibilities, so we had to give the kids to to uh, we had to get the kids to uh, see religious education and there was like every religious education was eating at Wendy's like you know you drive through Wendy's and they're eating in the back of the car as you're going to the next stop you know you're picking up the kid get him something and just driving to the next stop and you're just like uh and then they want you to be this instructor so uh, it was just it was it was a zoo but but um but on the other flip side what do we do I called them up and I said I'm going to be in Austria, I'm going to be in Austria, why don't you bring the kids out, I've got to stay there for four days, why don't you come out, because I haven't seen them in so long, why don't you come out to Austria, to Vienna, with me, and so we packed up the kids, and they came to Vienna, and they did the touring while I was working, and it was they, the kids got to see Vienna, so, you know, there's always a balance, you know, a lot of opportunities that the kids would have never had, and...
1: During a 2005 oral history interview, SWE Achievement Award recipient Yvonne Brill explained that she definitely could not have managed the second shift without help.
4: Naomi was, was born in 1957, and I, I went to work full-time at RCA in uh, June of 1966. And so she was in school a full day, and Matthew is, uh, was born in 1960, and Joe was born in 1964. So Joe was really only two when I went back to work full-time. And I worried a bit about that. Uh, How I managed as far as childcare was concerned, um, through the barber at the local little town that was local, he knew a widow who needed a job. And and she was a very, very good housekeeper, terrible cook, but a very good housekeeper. (laughs) So we would pick Derling up at 8 in the morning or close to 8 either my husband or I, and then we'd take her back to her place which was just a mile away. And she was there Monday through Friday and I could leave the dryer running so that she would fold the clothes and she picked up every toy in the house. It was really the, the neatest-looking house <laughs> that I've ever had and never <laughs> achieved the same thing again. But she was just one of those elderly women who who did the housewife job very well. <laughs>
1: Brill also explained that while her husband Bill was immensely supportive of her career, he grew up in a generation in which men had entrenched blind spots for household chores. But while solely being responsible for running the household was stressful, Yvonne explained that the satisfaction she got from her career was worth the stress.
4: Uh, Somebody asked him once, well a couple of things. One was because I had to work long hours being the only propulsion engineer on these proposals, the first ones were really very difficult to do, to get them, to get them right, you know, so we'd win the proposal mm-hmm. and win the job. And uh, so at some company party, somebody asked my husband, there were not very many wives out working then either, in the late 60s and early 70s. They asked Bill, how did he feel about the long hours I put in? He said, well, he'd be happy to outlive me and spend all the money. <laughs> that I made. <laughs> so uh, that was sort of his attitude. <laughs> he didn't care but I I felt very uh, uh, put upon. I, I just made sure that, the, that whatever the kids needed for their school projects that they had it. Uh, Bill didn't help at all in those years with any of the housework or anything like that. he just been raised in a home where his his mother did everything, you know, it was just not anything that his father would have thought of doing. Right. <laughs> and that I don't know that that made it any harder. It just meant I had about zero time to myself. But I accepted that because I was happy in my job. I liked what I was doing. And I felt that I was making real progress.
2: SWE members have actually had a lot to say about the unequal distribution of the second shift. Housework and cooking were solidly considered a woman's work when SWE was founded in 1950. And over the years, many have found themselves mostly in charge of cleaning, feeding, and clothing their family after spending a full day at the office. In their joint 2001 oral history interview, SWE fellows Irene Sharp and Yvonne Clark discussed the challenges of doing so as well as learning the fine art of just letting it all go. It's amazing the number of things I think children,
5: just raising children will teach you. Um, We came up in the era where um, the women were supposed to keep a clean house, do everything for their husband, raise the kids, keep the kids fed, clothes clothes, washed, all that, and somehow people thought, you know, they were supposed to do all these things. And I never will forget once, and I had, you had to do all the stuff on the weekends because you had to work Monday through Friday. So I'm out here with the piles of clothes, laying around in the laundry room, getting ready to throw them in the washing machine and washing and drying and carrying up. And a little boy said to my daughter, yeah, house is a mess. She said, I know, we made it that way. <laughs> like, oh, no, she's so proud of this messy house, why am I worried about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah from then on I just started watching my daughter you know she's happy with her messed up house and she's the one bringing her friends and my friends never come because they're busy working <laughs> I, I look at that child sometimes and I thought, gee, she taught me a lot about a lot of things
3: and
5: you just reach a point where you prioritize you know I, I think if I had started prioritizing much sooner things would not have been as difficult
2: Sharp also candidly discussed the strain the second shift placed on her marriage and how she and her husband were able to renegotiate their expectations of each other.
5: My husband of course you know mm-hmm. he and the kids would have their noses pressed up against the glass when I come in waiting to be sad. and I thought like, oh we got two hands why are you waiting for me? <laughs> so <laughs> I think around 81 we were really I mean I was really stressed out this was just about the time i was quitting for it too and um we did some marriage counseling and what have you and uh, i was gonna leave my husband uh, he didn't want me to go but hey i had all i can stand i can't take anymore so some of the things that we were talking about that i wanted him to do that he just thought were you know one of the uh counselors said that he had to stop coming home being the guest <laughs> you know he came home getting his easy chair and kick off his of slippers and get the paper and I'm out there working, working, working and the second job when I got home. And it turned out that we set up this thing where he would shop and cook for seven days and then I would shop and cook for seven days. And we've been doing that since 81. And when the kids got old enough to drive then they had to shop and cook. <laughs> so we had this four week rotation where I didn't make the schedule and put it on a refrigerator. So and so cooks this week, so-and-so washes the dishes this week, so-and-so does this, and then the other person has a week off. And we went through that until both kids left. And then when both kids were gone, then we fell back to, he shopped and cooked one week, I shop and cook one week. So now we don't get the week off because I have to wash the dishes the week that he shops and cooks. But uh, it's worked wonderful.
1: During that same interview, sweet fellow Yvonne Clark explained that dinner was often delegated to her husband and children so that she could sit down and watch football. But uh,
5: talking about cooking, society
4: says I'm supposed to cook. Hubby was a gourmet cooker.
5: <laughs> I had to keep, I had to go buy the food so I had to control the budget because gourmet cookers are budget busters. <laughs> but uh, every, my kids knew how to cook. TV dinner, you ease off the aluminum foil, put some <laughs> butter over the uh, potatoes, and put it back over and throw it in the mic, uh, not in the um, toaster oven. Both of them knew how to cook, how to put on things. Because <laughs> I want to see my football just like they did. Hey, Mom, hurry up, they're going to have a rebirth. <laughs> so, it's about
2: being creative. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah. yeah. and you got to
5: share. Oh, yeah, I mean, those chores have to be shared. Otherwise, I mean, you become a nervous wreck can't do it all. So that's how
1: we do it. So there you have it from the voices of Sigrid King, Bernice and Jeff Brody, Yvonne Brill, Irene Sharp, and Yvonne Clark. Some valuable advice for managing the second shift. Ask for help when you need to. Delegate responsibilities when you need to. Don't worry about the house. The mess is fine. And finally, just pop in a freezer meal into the oven, kick your feet up, and catch some football this fall. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this first
2: podcast from the SWE archives. We'll have something new for you in a few months. In the meantime, check out the full text of the interviews and speeches featured today by searching for podcasts on altogether.swe.org. From myself, Troy, Angie, and everyone at SWE, thanks for listening.
1: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org.